talking about uh, overcoming fears. And uh, whether you realize it or not, or whether you've thought much about it or not, if you're going to get victory over a thing, you've got to get victory over the fear of it first and get in faith about some things. You cannot be in faith and full of fear at the same time. It doesn't work that way. If you're full of fear, you have no faith in that situation. If you're full of faith, you have no fear. Oh, yeah, temptations will come, suggestions will come, but you cast them down and you refuse to give place to them. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm, the 34th, uh, well, I should say the 34th Psalm, so that you can read along with us. It just helps when you look in the Bible, as we've said. But turn with me to Psalm 34. We'll begin in verse 1. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Hallelujah. How many believe it's possible to be delivered from all of your fears? Is that possible? See, the psalmist talks about that he, he got delivered from all of his fears. Well, if you've been delivered from all of your fears, then how much fear would you have? None. <laughs> Somebody said, well, I just don't know if that's possible to uh, not have any fears of any of, of things, you know. Well, he said he got delivered from all his fears. All of them. I don't know the Bible's inspired. It's accurate. He got delivered from all of his fears. Amen. It is possible to live a life free from fear of evil. Now, I didn't say that everybody in the room had been doing that. But I said it's possible. It's possible. It's possible to be delivered from all of your fears. You know, uh, in, in considering some of these things and contemplating some of these things, the Lord prompted me with several things, and I, I usually don't do this. Usually if I've got a couple of points, that's plenty for me. I can go a long time on two points. And so this may sound dangerous, but i got ten points today. Don't, don't worry, and I'm not going to keep you here all day. We, you know, but I feel impressed to try to cover these ten points. And I want you, wanted you to get it all at once. What do you mean, ten points? Ten reasons why you should not be afraid. Amen. Ten biblical reasons why you shouldn't be afraid. As we talked earlier this week, if you study the subject of fears, whether you approach it from a psychological standpoint, whether you study it from a scriptural standpoint, fear is something that's plagued the world. I started to say from the beginning, but that wouldn't be exactly accurate. Because in the beginning there was no fear. Adam and Eve were afraid of nothing. They fellowship with God openly and freely. But after they sinned, 
The Bible said very immediately after Adam sinned, he said he hid himself. He said, because I was afraid. Afraid. You see, God did not intend for man to be afraid. He created him to, to rule and reign and have dominion in this planet and enjoy fellowship with him. But through the influences of the enemy, men are paralyzed with fear. And so if we're not going to fear, we've got to have revelation of truth. The Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What's going to make us free from fears? Truth. Where do you find truth? In the Bible. And so we're going to give you ten Bible truths why you should not be afraid. Amen. Have I got anybody excited about this besides me? <laughs> Amen. Ten Bible reasons. Ten scriptural reasons. Ten powerful truths why you should not be afraid. Number one, you should not be afraid because God told you not to be afraid. Amen. How I many believe that's a good reason? You wouldn't have to be able to figure everything out. Just if he told you not to, that's a good reason for you not to. Amen. We've been looking at scriptures. Now, I, I'm not going to have time to turn to all these verses. So I'm just going to quote some of them to you, give you some references and what have you. You just jot them down because I'm not going to keep you here all afternoon. But did the Lord tell us not to be afraid? Friend, if you've got a concordance, all you've got to do is go through there and count how many times the Lord said, Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Now, he never said, Try not to be afraid. He never said, try not to. He said, don't. Fear not. One of our verses that we've looked at repeatedly this week is over in John 14, verse 1, and also verse 27, where he said, let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. Jesus said, don't let your heart be afraid. Told us not to. Amen. We are not supposed to be afraid. The Lord told us, don't. Be afraid. I mean, if you go through, he, you know, God uh, appeared to uh, uh, Abram and said, Fear not. He told uh, Hagar, Fear not. He told Isaac, Fear not. I mean, all through, you know, uh, you mention all the great patriarchs, Moses and David and on and on, Fear not. Every time an angel would come on the scene with a message, he'd usually say, Fear not. When miraculous things would happen and the disciples got scared, Jesus would say, Fear not. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Now, did you get what I said? Never did the Bible say try not to. Didn't say try. So that implies you might not be able to. If the Lord tells us don't do it, that means we must be able to keep from doing it. See, fear is not something that just uh, controls us irrespective of what we do or don't do. Fear is something that will approach us and we can either yield to it or not yield to it. Amen. And we're not to walk by feelings. Just because you feel afraid doesn't mean you have to yield to it. Did you get that? See, we don't walk by sight. We don't walk by feelings. Just because you were to feel afraid 
doesn't mean you, you should yield to it. When you sense and feel afraid, that's when you should begin to resist fear. Number one, you should not fear because God told you not to. Number two, you should not be afraid because fear is not of God. It's not fear did not come from God. Fear is not of God, and you're not supposed to have things that didn't come from God. Because if they didn't come from God, where'd they come from? The enemy. Isn't that right? Remember we talked about this earlier this week, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Romans 8 told us, you know, he said that we've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God didn't give us fear. Fear didn't come from Him. And if fear didn't come from Him, we don't have to have it. Fear is not of God. Fear is of the enemy. When we're yielding to fear, we're yielding to a wrong spirit. Are you listening? You see, many times people don't realize that uh, just because you feel something or just because you sense something, that doesn't mean you have to give place to it and act like that. You see, that's a part of growing up spiritually. The Bible says put on the new man. Isn't that right? Put it on. That's something you do. The Bible says put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You put it on. Somebody say, well, I'm not a put on. I just act the way I feel. I'm just real. If I feel lousy, I'm not going to put on like I, do, like I don't. If I don't like you, I'm not going to make like I do. I'm just real. Yeah, and as I always say, real carnal. That's being real carnal. See, the Bible tells us to walk in the Spirit, doesn't it? What does that mean, walk in the Spirit? Well, it means walk according to what God has told you, not according to what you feel. See, many people have never learned the difference. They've never learned. If they get up in the morning and they feel lousy, they're going to act lousy. If they feel afraid, they're going to act afraid. If, they're feel, if they feel tense, they're going to act that way. They have never learned how to walk in the Spirit. They've never learned how to walk according to the Word. They just walk according to their feelings. See, if you see people that have grown spiritually, to watch them operate, you might think they never have a bad feeling. But that's not true. You know what I'm saying? To, to, to see people that, that are mature spiritually, you might think, well, man, they don't ever have a, a, a hard feeling toward anybody. Or they don't ever feel put out. Or they don't ever feel neglected. Or they don't ever feel depressed. Or they don't ever... Man, isn't it wonderful? But that's not true. I said, that's not true. As long as you got flesh, you're going to have feelings. As long as there's an enemy in the world to try to influence, you're going to have feelings. But see, the mature Christian has learned that you, know, you may feel bad, but you don't act like you feel. You may feel like crying, but you shout by faith. Amen? You may feel like staying in the bed. 
but you get up and praise the Lord anyhow. Amen. You may feel like slapping somebody's face, <laughs> but you smile and act nice to them in spite of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, some people have tried to paint the picture, well, brother, you know, I've been sanctified, and I never have any hard feelings toward, no matter what anybody does to me, I would never have a hard feeling. I would never, y yeah, you're, you're a liar. <laughs> anybody that's got flesh, See, you understand, when you were born again, it wasn't your body that was born again. It was your spirit, your inner man. You got the same kind of body that, un, uh, you know, uh, unrepentant, uh, unregenerate people have. Did that bless you? <laughs> See, the, the, day, the day after you got saved, you, you're a new creature in Christ. The day after you got saved, you're born again. Your spirit's made new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. you got the same brain, same head, same mind, same body that you did before you got saved. That's why the Bible immediately tells you to present your body a living sacrifice. Control it. Keep it under, you see, and under control. And get your mind renewed so that you think like God does about things. You know, if, if, if a feeling of depression comes over you, you're not supposed to just yield to that and act crummy because you feel crummy. You're supposed to resist that. Amen. Amen. See, some people bless their hearts, you know. They're so concerned that they're going to be a, a, a hypocrite, so concerned that they're going to do something false. That, that they won't, you know, they, they see other people praise the Lord and sing and shout and maybe even dance. And they see that, well, you know, I'd like to do that. But, as, uh, you know, if that, if that ever happens with me, it's not going to be me. It'll be the Lord. Well, then it'll never happen. Are you listening? Because if you shout, it'll be you shouting. Are you listening to me? And see, so a lot of times people are waiting for something special to happen. Well, a lot of times, the times you need to shout is when you feel like crying. <laughs> time you need to dance is when you feel like going back to bed and pulling the cover over your head. <laughs> Did you hear what the Scripture said? Put on the new man. And I don't care if a spirit of fear grabs a hold of you and grips you and the hair stands up on the back of your neck and goosebumps are double parked on your arms and your knees are knocking together. You don't have to yield to it. It's from the enemy. It's not from God. Don't just give place and say, well, I, I'm just terrified. I'm just scared. I don't know what to... No, no, say, I refuse to fear. I mean, your knees may be knocking, but say, I refuse to fear. Fear, I resist you. I refuse to fear. Resist it. Don't just yield to it. If you feel depressed and oppressed, don't just slide down in your chair and poke your lip out. Well, I feel bad. Well, hey, this is, this is the world. We're in the world. We're not of the world, but we're in the world. The devil's around. Everybody, you know, anybody you want to look at, any leader, any preacher, any Christian could be just as sour and just as bitter as anybody if they'd just yield the feelings that come along. All of us have feelings. Feelings. But you've got to stir yourself up. Brother Hagin tells about 
situation. A woman came by one uh, during during the wee hours of the morning. He he got off into bed late. She came by, knocked on the door. He's just in a you know, in a, in a deep sleep in the wee hours of the morning. He got up. There she's crying. Friend brought her. And uh, he figures, man, something's terrible's wrong, you know. And and they're he's trying to wake up to minister to her. He says, well, what's wrong, sister? She said, well, she had a she had a sickness. And she said, but that's not the biggest thing. She said, the biggest thing, if I could just get back to God, if I could just get back to God, you know, and, and be like I used to be with the Lord. So he figures, well, she's committed some big sin. I mean, she's really messed up. She's gotten out and backslid and got away from God. He said, well, sister, have you repented? She said, well, Brother Hagin, as far as I know, uh, I, I have, there's nothing that I've done. He said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I, I just don't feel like I used to. <laughs> he said he got irritated. <laughs> He's waking out of a deep sleep. He's... He's tired. He's been doing a lot of things. And this woman is, is, is you know, having a fit, crying and, and totally distressed because she doesn't feel. Well, see, I don't know what people think. I guess they think they're the only ones that ever have feelings. I don't know what people think. He looked at her. He said, Sister, if I was going by feelings right now, I'd have you pray for me. Because <laughs> I certainly don't feel... Like, I don't feel inspired. I don't feel anything. I don't feel like I got the Holy Ghost or I got this. Or that. You know, she, she's crying, if I could just feel God like I used to. See, people living by feelings. And if they got no feelings, then they, they're in the dumps. He said, Sister, you got, it's not a matter that you live by feelings. You've got to stir yourself up. We're talking about, see, putting on the new man. She said, what do you mean? He said, well, just watch. He said, I'm, I'm telling you, I just woke up, and, and this, is, this irritates me some, and I don't, you know, and I'm not, I'm not feeling anything. But, but he said, just watch, I'm going to stir myself up here. So he started, he started just praising the Lord, just by faith. Feels lousy, but just by faith, by faith just started saying, Lord, I praise you. I thank you that, that I'm your child. You're my very own father. I'm your very own child. And he started praising the Lord and started speaking in other tongues and started stirring himself up. And she said that she just see the glory of God just came on him, you see. And he just got edified and built up and lifted up. See, just stir it up. He said, now, sister, you need to do that. Just stir yourself up. What do you mean? Put on the new man. Start acting like you've got victory. Start acting like you've got, you have protection. Start acting like there's no reason for you to fear. Number two reason why you shouldn't be afraid, fear is not from God. Fear is a wrong spirit from the enemy. The Bible said he didn't give us the spirit of fear. When it comes, don't yield to it. Resist it. I don't care what you feel like, don't act on those feelings. Don't care what kind of suggestions and words come to you, don't speak them out. Don't yield to it. It's not from God. Resist it. Can you say amen? amen? Number three reason why you should not be afraid. What you fear will come on you. Here's a third reason why you shouldn't be afraid. What you fear will come on you. 
in Job, the third chapter. Don't you remember that those things happened to Job? And somebody said, well, why, 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 why? Well, one of the big reasons why is Job said there in chapter 3, he said, the thing that I've greatly feared has come upon me. If you'll do a study along that line, you'll find that repeatedly throughout the Scriptures, you'll find different phrases like it said, their fears came on them, or your fears will come on you. Your fears will come upon you. If you really don't want something to happen to you, then you have to get the fear of it out of you. That may sound, you know, like a challenge, but it's the truth. The more afraid of you, the more afraid of something you become, the more terrified of something you become, you're opening the door and pulling that thing into your life. It serves as a magnet to pull the thing that you fear into your life. Fearing that you'll have this or that disease is a good way to get it. Fearing that this or that's going to happen to you is a good way for it to happen to you. We said to you that fear is actually faith in the devil and faith in his abilities. What faith is to God, fear is to the enemy. If we believe in God's ability and believe in God's right and God's willingness to use His power on our behalf and we expect Him to do good things in our life, that's faith. But fear is the same thing, only directed towards the enemy. When you're in fear, it means you're convinced and persuaded that the devil has the ability and he has the access to do bad things in your life and you're expecting them to happen. That's why you're scared. It's a form of faith. A reason why you should not fear is because things you fear will come upon you. That's not just superstition. That's not just theory. That's Bible. Hebrews, the second chapter. You don't have to turn there, but you remember we've talked about it. It said, Jesus became a partaker of flesh and blood, so that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and that he might deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Did you hear that phrase? Through fear of death, they were what? Subject to do you see the fear made them subject to the bondage? Fear makes you subject to bondage. Your fears will come upon you. Fear is a form, a, neg a negative form of faith. If you're in fear about something, that means you're expecting it to happen. Faith is expecting God to do good things in your life. Fear is expecting the devil to do bad things in your life. Both of them are actually forms of believing. Forms of faith. Faith in God, faith in the enemy. How many know you shouldn't ex exhibit faith in the enemy? You should exhibit faith in God. Isn't that right? I said concerning the devil, you ought to be a doubter. I mean a big doubter. I mean his thoughts come to your mind. And you, you understand that's how the enemy brings things many times, his thoughts. Well, you may get this. This may happen to you. And try to paint pictures of this or that. Anytime things like that come and the enemy's trying to influence you to cause you to believe that these things are going to happen to you, you should just say, devil, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt your ability to do it. I doubt you. Amen. 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 And, we, and we read Psalm 91 yesterday as we closed. The psalmist was very bold, wasn't he? 
He talked about staying in the, in the secret place of the Most High. He, st he talked about staying in fellowship with God. And he said, if you do, he, sa he said he, didn't, he, he wasn't concerned about the pestilence. He wasn't concerned about the destruction. He wasn't concerned about those things. He said, a thousand may fall at one side, ten thousand may fall at the right hand, but it won't come near me. He said, no plague will come nigh my dwelling. Isn't that what he said? I mean, I mean that's bold. And the Bible says we got a better covenant than what he had. Isn't that right? And yet you got Christians going around saying, well, you just never can tell now what's going to happen. Well, if you believe the Bible, you can tell. And if you follow the Lord to the best you know how, you can tell. Amen. The Lord wants to keep us. Why shouldn't we be afraid? Many reasons why we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid because what we fear will come on us. If you believe that, and you should because it's Bible, then when you notice a fear in you, you better immediately say, Hey, i got to get this out. I don't want this happening. I don't want this coming to pass in my life. i got to get this out of my life. So a third reason is because what you fear will come on you. Reason number four, and this is a good one. I like this one. All of them are good. Reason number four, we ought not to be afraid because there is no God like our God. Hallelujah. I like this one. No God as big as our God. Amen. Go back with me to Isaiah if you would. I want you to look at a few of these scriptures. Take the time to look at them. Isaiah chapter 43. Are you there? Isaiah 43. Here's a fourth reason why we shouldn't be afraid. We should not be afraid because there is no God like our God. There's no God as big as our God. There's no God as strong as our God. We could say there is no God beside our God. Amen. 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 Isaiah 43, verse 10. He said, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared, and I have saved, and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you're my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. I like it, don't you? Praise God forever. Go over to the 44th chapter. Let's just look at a few more of these. There are several of these kind of passages in Isaiah. Isaiah 44. We'll start in verse 6. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. That's Jesus. I am the first, and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. And who, as I, shall call and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people? And the things that are coming and shall come, let them show unto them. 
Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told you from that time and have declared it? You're even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Now, who's talking here? God. Is there anything God doesn't know? He said, I mean, this is kind of humorous, isn't it? I mean, God said, is there any God besides me? He said, I don't know of any. And he's, om he's omniscient. He knows everything. Is there any God beside God? No. If there was, he'd know about it. Amen. Oh, glory to God. Skip down to the 45th chapter. No, no, no. Go to, we, we didn't get through with Isaiah 44. Go to verse 24. Isaiah 44, 24. It says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb. Everybody believe that? God made you from the womb and he redeemed you. I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. <laughs> you might say, well, God might have had some help from some ancient space travelers and what have you. He said he did it by himself. I said he said he did it by himself. I said, he said, he did it by himself. He goes on to say, he frustrates the tokens of the liars. That's what he calls uh, diviners, and etc. He makes diviners mad. He turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolish. He confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers. How many believe God is God? There's no God like Him. There's no God beside Him. In the 45th chapter, skip down to verse 5. He said, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. No God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. He's talking about a man that he had called and put in a position, even though he didn't even know him. Down in the 14th verse, the latter part of it, it says, Surely God is in thee, and there is none else. There is no God. Now, what he means is there's no God besides our God. How many believe it? I like, what, you know, I like also what the prophet Jeremiah said. We could turn to many places, but we won't for time's sake. Uh, what he said, Ah, oh, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Nothing is too difficult for thee. In the Scriptures, you know, Jesus said all things are possible with God. Is He God? Can He do anything? Why shouldn't we be afraid? Because our God is the biggest of all. Amen? 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is He that is in you. Greater. How many know God doesn't exaggerate? If He says greater, He's a lot greater than what you think. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater. See, if we're not careful, we get to looking at the problem, get to looking at what the devil's trying to do, get to looking at this issue or that issue, and it gets mountain big, and we forget how big our God is. 
in our mind God's off somewhere small, you know, not, not that involved, not that in touch with us. That's why the Scriptures repeatedly say, magnify the Lord. What does magnify mean? Make bigger, enlarge. Well, you can't literally make God bigger, but I tell you what, He can be a lot bigger to you. I said He can be a lot bigger to you. How many believe God can be bigger to you? Is He as big to you as what He can be? No. God can get a lot bigger to you. He can be a lot bigger in your life. And what's got to happen if you're going to get in faith is God, God's got to be so much bigger than the problem until the problem doesn't scare you anymore. Amen. That's what's got to happen. Somebody said, yeah, but have you heard about this? And do you know what the crime rate is? And do you know what's going on here? And do you know about this? Yeah, but do you know how big your God is? Do you know how faithful He is? Do you know what He can do? See, so what the devil wants you to do is get so caught up with statistics and news reports and this fatality and this rape and this robbery and this storm and this wreck and this accident until you forget about how big your God is whom you serve. And if you forget Him and get in fear, then you're opening the door for the devil to do those kind of things in your life. And so much of the world is just operating in the same fear that the enemy influences people with all over. We should not be afraid because there is no God like our God. Fifthly, we should not be afraid because this God who is so big, who is so great, who is so wonderful, who is so powerful, this God is on my side. This God is for me. Is that right? Somebody said, well, yeah, I know God. I know God's big. I know He can do anything. But you know, you just can't ever tell what He's going to do. I mean, He can do some things, but you just don't ever know if He will or not. Well, that's not true. If you'll take Him at His word. Oh, I believe God could do anything, but you just don't ever know what He's going to do. Oh, yeah, He's got the power, but who knows? If he's going to help you with it or not. Well, it depends on whether you believe him or not. Depends on whether you take him at his word or not. I like what the psalmist said. Over in Psalm, what is it, 118.6. 118.6, you don't have to turn there, but he said, The Lord is on my side. He takes the part with me against the enemy. Hallelujah. And I particularly like Romans 8.31. He said, If God be for us, who can be against us? Is He for us? Amen. The Bible said He is. It said, If God spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He said, Who will lay anything against the charge of God's elect? Not God. He's the one that's justifying us. Who's going to accuse us? Not Christ. He's the one who died for us, is risen again, and ever lives to make intercession for us. If God was against us, He never would have sent Jesus. If Jesus was against us, He never would have come. He never would have died. And He sure wouldn't be sitting at the right hand ever living and making intercession for us. He's for us. God's not looking for ways to condemn us. He's not looking for ways to punish us. He's not looking. If he'd wanted that to happen, all he'd had to do is nothing. Nothing. 
We had sinned. We were in trouble. We deserved judgment. All he had to do is just let us be. Oh, but thank God he didn't. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Jesus so loved the world that he came. I mean, if you don't believe he's for us, then you just can't see. And you just can't hear. He is for us. He's not looking for, he's not looking for reasons to withhold blessings from us. He's not trying to find a loophole and a technicality to say, Up, up, you didn't cross your T. You didn't dot your I. You don't get the blessing. He's looking for reasons to bless us. What the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking to find somebody whose heart is perfect. Now that word perfect, don't let it throw you. That word perfect means wholehearted. Wholehearted towards God. Why? He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. He wants to. The Bible said he's, he, he's gracious. That means he's disposed to show favors. He wants to bless you. Micah said that God delights in mercy. He delights in it. He, he wants to bless you. He wants to show us his favor and his goodness. Why should we not be afraid? We said this God that we serve is a big God. There's none like him. There's none stronger. There's none more powerful. There's none wiser. And thank God we know he is for us. He is for us. Do you believe it, my friend? Amen. He's for us. Thank God, thank God, thank God. In fact, I tell you, just go back over there to Romans. Let's, let's read this. It's going to help you to read it. We don't want to skip by this. Romans chapter 8. I just want to read this whole passage. Starting in verse 31. Shout any time you want to. Verse 31. Romans 8. Romans 8. 31. He said, what shall we then say to these things? What do you say to these things? When things are, uh, are coming up, problems around you, when, when, when there are, are distresses and tribulations and trials, what do you say to those things? If God is for me, who can be against me? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him for up, up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. See, the enemy, the enemy thinks that we're just, you know, sheep for the slaughter. He thinks we're just easy pickings. He thinks that he just come in and mop up with us. But verse 37 says, Nay! <laughs> What's nay mean? No. no, no! The Bible said the devil goes about to and fro seeking whom he may devour. Who are the ones whom he may not? The ones he goes, may I devour you? We say, nay! He says, may I say, nay! May I? Nay! No, you may not. Nay, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, nothing, no one, nothing, shall be able
able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, he, he started out and he said, God's for us, and he's, he elaborated on it the rest of the passage. God is for us. Hallelujah. Reason number six. I wish I had time to develop this one, but I don't. Reason number six, we're sure. We have no reason to be afraid. We should not be afraid. Because God is the sovereign, righteous judge of the earth. I could teach you a week on this if we had time. But we don't. What, what, why do we say this? We said this to you earlier. From Luke 12, you don't have to turn there, but from Luke 12, verse 4 and 5, the Lord Jesus said, Don't just fear people that could kill your body, and after that, they have no more that they can do. He said, Yeah, I'll tell you who you should fear. Fear God, who after a body's been killed, has power to cast into hell. I say fear Him. See, there is a sense in which we need to understand the sovereignty of God. The Bible said concerning, concerning Jesus when he stood before Pilate. And Pilate questioned him and said, Are you a king? And he wouldn't answer him. He said, Do you hear all these things these people say about you? All these accusations? Do you stand here and not say anything to me? He said, Don't you know I have power to crucify you and I have power to let you go? Don't you know? Jesus looked at him and said, You could have no power at all except it were given to you from above. See, Jesus had a revelation that God the Father was the sovereign judge. Amen. Now see, the devil would like to pump himself up to be something he's not. He'd like to pump himself up to be, he can do anything he wants to, anytime he wants to. But I'm telling you, he can't. All you got to do is read the book of Job to see, he's got to get permission. Are you listening? That's not what he pumps himself up to be. Somebody said, well, now, that brings up another issue, Brother Keith. I, 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 I've never understood that, you know. Why would God ever give him permission? It's based on what on the decisions people make. Jesus told us he gave us the keys to the kingdom, and he said, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. Those words bind and loose also mean whatever you allow will be allowed. Through our decisions, through our acts. Are you with me? But friend, it'll give, it gives me great confidence. I don't know whether you've meditated upon that much about it, but it gives me great confidence to know that God sits on the throne. He is sovereign. He is the righteous judge. Amen. Nothing happens except He either allows it or commits it. Are you listening? Nothing. Now here's the issue. He allows a lot of things that are not His will, and that don't please him. Why? Several reasons. He's the righteous judge of the earth, and as we've already said, people must believe him and must appropriate what's been provided in redemption. It's not my purpose to get into all of those details. It's a big subject. But do you understand what I'm saying? When you realize 
who is sitting on the throne. Amen. Who is passing the judgments? Do you, you, do you realize why Jesus said, i tell you who to fear. Don't fear the guy with the gun. Don't fear the guy with the knife. Don't fear the guy sitting on, on this governor's seat or that guy. Who is the one who these people couldn't do anything unless he allowed them to do it? Amen? Amen. Romans 13 says the authorities that be are ordained of God. Whether you understand all about it or not, you know, don't imagine that you can question God in judgments. You know, you're just of a few years. There's a lot of things you don't know. But I guarantee you, if you saw all the sides and you saw everything involved, you'd fall down and worship God and say, The Lord is just. The Lord is fair. The Lord is righteous. There'll be many things in life you'll wonder why. Oh, I don't understand. How come? Why? Why not? Don't ever accuse God, though, of unfairness or injustice. Because to do so shows ignorance and lack of faith. There have been some times in my life, just in the few years that I've walked with God, that you look back and you see different things and you say, well, why? Why did this happen? Or why didn't that happen? And maybe be confused about it. But thank God had enough sense to know whether the Lord was faithful. The Lord didn't let us down. I know that. And I say, well, Lord, could you teach me about that? And sometimes, you know, sometimes when you're close to something and you're involved in the middle of it, it's hard for you to see anything at that time. But then sometimes you grow a little bit, and years later you can look back, and sometimes the Lord showed me things, and I said, oh, okay, all right, I, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. There have been some situations where I thought, well, Lord, that, you know, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair, whatever. But then after you learn some things and you look back, you think, well, Lord, you are more merciful than I even asked you to be. You were kinder than I would have even asked you. But how many realize we lack knowledge? We, there's so much we don't know and don't understand. That's why the Bible says we've been given the Holy Ghost to help us. I realize you'll have to think about that one a little bit. But, uh, but don't throw it away. He is the righteous judge of all the earth. That really sets me up for my next point, though. Number seven, why we shouldn't be afraid is because though God is the righteous judge of the earth, we are righteous. And as the righteous judge of the earth, he can declare us innocent, not deserving of any punishment, not deserving of any curse, not deserving of any judgment. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for us. Amen. He paid the price for us. We're righteous, and the Bible says when you're established in righteousness, you'll be far from oppression and you'll be far from fear. I believe I'm made righteous by Jesus Christ, and because of that, there'd be no judgment passed against me because the judgment was passed against Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Something to think about, something to meditate upon. Reason number eight. We should not be afraid... Because we have angels. I said, we have angels. I said, we have angels. <laughs> Does that make you glad? It's good to know that in a, in a world infested with demons and crazy people and wild drivers and terrorists and sickness and disease, that we have angels. Angels. Jesus said, concerning the little children that they brought to him, he said, their angel does always behold the face of their father in heaven. 
He said, children have an angel. Well, you don't think you lose your angel just because you grow up, do you? Hmm? Why would you think that? You still need angels. Hebrews 1 tells us we have angels. Why should we believe there are any different ones? The Bible said the angels are all ministering spirits sent to minister for those who shall be heir, the heirs of salvation. Psalm 34 says, The angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him and delivers them. You know, a lot of times people leave that last tag off, don't they? The angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear him. That's not the end of the verse. I said, that's not the end of the verse. How many, you know, people usually stop there. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those that fear them. That's not the end. It says, and delivers them. He's not there just to camp and say, oh, I'm here. While you get molested and disturbed and destroyed, well, I'm here. Don't forget, I'm here with you. No, he's there to deliver us. Don't you remember in Psalm 91? He shall give his angels charge over thee and charge concerning thee. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. I've seen it. I've had it happen for me. Any number of times. And I'm sure a lot of times I wasn't aware of, too. Same with you. I mean, just making it through childhood is proof of people having angels. How many times, you know? Thank God we have angels. I like the story, you know, over in 2 Kings 6, where the enemy army came to get the prophet Elisha. His servant came out, you know, and saw the whole city surrounded with soldiers and chariots. He came back afraid and said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? What, what are we going to do? And uh, the, the prophet, you know, is calm and collected. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. <laughs> and the Bible said he opened his eyes and he could see in the realm of the Spirit. And the Bible said the whole mountain was full of, uh, of, of chariots of fire. You see, angels, a whole angelic host was there to protect him. He said, in other words, he said, relax. There are more that be with us than they that be with them. Well, he's got a gun. We got angels. Amen. Why shouldn't you be afraid? Because you got angels. I said, because you have angels. Because you have angels. Also, reason number nine, we should not be afraid because we have authority in the name of Jesus. We have authority in the name of Jesus. What do you mean? How do we get that authority? The way, the way we got that authority, the Bible said Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He brought Satan to naught. Amen. The Bible said when he raised from the dead, he triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. He's got the keys. The Bible said he's been given a name that's above every name that's named. Amen. And the Bible said that God's put all things under his feet. Well, we're in the body. If it's under his feet, it's under us because we're in the body. 
The Bible said he gave his disciples power and authority over all unclean spirits and over all sickness and disease. In the name of Jesus, we have authority. You should never be afraid of the devil. You should never be afraid of any work of the devil, whether it be a sickness or a disease or an accident or whatever the case might be, because in Jesus' name, every knee must bow. Every knee must bow. Every demon, every work of the devil has to obey a command in faith in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Why shouldn't you be afraid? You shouldn't be afraid because your enemy's defeated and because you've been given authority in the name of Jesus. That's why you shouldn't be afraid. I'm not afraid of the devil. I don't mind telling you. I am not afraid of the devil. Because of who I am? No, because of whose I am and because the name I have, the authority that I have. The devil can keep you in fear. He'll paralyze you. He'll torment you. How many people, you know, the devil's been chasing around all their life and scaring all their life. It's kind of like a little dog chasing a big dog. You ever seen something like that? I have. I've seen a little bitty dog, a little yapper, <laughs> chasing a big burly dog, you know, six, seven times his size. He's just running, yap, 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 and the big dog just, you know, just going, yap, yap, yap. But if that dog ever realizes, I know I, know I, had, a, I had a puppy, uh, a Doberman, and you know, some of them get big. And, uh, and my mom had a cat. And this cat was a real sassy cat. You know, just, and brave. And uh, when, my, when, my, when my Doberman was just a pup, just a little bitty pup, you know, he's playful. He wanted to run up and play with the cat. And the cat hissed at him. You know, he thought that was funny, so he wanted to play some more. And the cat slapped him. And he'd, you know, yelp and run away. Well, this happened, you know, month after month. Month after month, this cat would just bristle up and, and, and hit back off. He's been slapped so many times, you see. I mean, months pass and months pass, and here's a dog. I mean, he's, he's a good-sized dog. Now, he weighs 80 pounds, 90 pounds, and this cat's still bluffing him. <laughs> he could have he bit the cat once. That would have been it. Curtains for the cat. But this cat is ruling his life. Do you understand what I'm saying? That ruling his life. See, he didn't realize who he was. I'm a, you know, and, and, and even later, I'm a hundred pound Doberman. He didn't realize that. I have power. And you see, the devil is defeated. The devil, the Bible said he's been stripped, he's been spoiled. But he puts on a big show and he puts a lot of fear into people. And so you got blood-bought, spirit-filled, Jesus Christ authorized, sons and daughters of God running, hiding, cowering, trembling. Because they don't know who they are, don't know what they have. Oh, friend, you have been authorized. Take that authority. 
use that authority. When the enemy comes, don't run. Resist the devil. And the Bible said he will flee from you. And finally, number 10. Tenth reason why you should not be afraid. And maybe one of the, you know, all of these reasons are outstanding. But, you know, maybe one of the more outstanding. We should not be afraid because God is with us. With us. We've already said God's great and powerful and mighty. We've already said he's for us. But it's one thing to have a picture of God on a throne somewhere being for us. But I'm talking about God being with you, by your side, living inside of you, being upon you, being around you, going in front of you, coming behind you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every week of the month, every month of the year, every year of the rest of your life. One of the last things Jesus said before he ascended, he looked at the disciples and the words are recorded for all of us to hear. He said, Lo, I am with you. I am with you throughout all ages. Amen. I'm with you, if you look at different translations, I'm with you to the end of the world. I'm with you through the end of the age. I'm with you age after age. I'm with you. I'm with you. Again and again in the scriptures where it talked about people not being afraid and people not fearing God, it's the Lord would tell them, He said, I'm with you. Gideon would tremble and say, I'm just, a, I'm just a, you know, uh, my family's small and my tribe's poor. And the Lord said, I'm with you. I'll be with you. He told all the judges. He told all the prophets. He told the kings. He told them again. When they would be afraid, they'd think, well, I don't know what to do. He said, I'll be with you. When him who knows all who can do all is with you, why should you be afraid? When his presence is with us, why should we be afraid? Remember what the scripture said over in Psalms? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Among other things, what did he say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Amen? Amen? You know, I didn't know a lot of Scripture as a boy and as a child growing up, but that, that one verse got me through a lot of different places in my life. I, I didn't know. I mean, I couldn't have quoted to you three Scriptures during my growing up, but I had learned that in Sunday school. We had to learn the 23rd Psalm. And I remember, I remember specifically different times in my life that I was afraid because of different things and the Lord brought that to my remembrance and I'd say it out loud, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod, which uh, was a token of protection, and thy staff, which is a token of, uh, of leading and provision, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God's great ability to protect me comforts me. God's great ability to provide for me and to lead and guide me comforts me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For you are with me. 
Friend, I, I don't know if I've done the, the best job with getting it out, but the Lord wants you to know He's with you today. And if you get a revelation of that, any fears that you came in here with, you'll leave without. You don't have to carry them with you another day. Instead of carrying a consciousness and an awareness of wrong spirits with you, you can leave with a consciousness and awareness of God's presence with you. God's Holy Spirit with you. God wants you to know He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. Let me read in Isaiah. And I, I'm closing, friends. I am. In Isaiah, the 41st chapter. This is a tremendous word. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, 10. He says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Verse 13, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. I want to read that again, verse 10. Are you listening? Let God talk to you. Don't just hear the preacher talking. Let God talk to you through this verse. Fear thou not, Tom, Susie, Jane. Fear thou not, for I am with you. God's talking to you. I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And a favorite scripture over in Hebrews 13. You don't have to turn there. But he said, the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man can do. Is he with you? Is he with you? I don't mean just theoretically. I don't mean just theologically. I mean, is he with you? Is he with you just as real as that chair you're sitting on? Just as real as the other people in this room? Is God with you? His Spirit is in you if you know Jesus. His Spirit is in you if you've received the Holy Ghost. His Spirit is upon you. He is with you. He is with you. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.